The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I love the way Kikini celebrate. I love the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to go where we actually want to win the next you know, Or were they treating it as just another game, another step stone? That's, that's the question I have. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome along. Monday evenings off the ball. Joe Malloy with you. We have a really good football show on the way after nine o'clock. Dion Fanning in studio. We have Pat Nevin with us as well. Pat and Scotland licking their wounds after Saturday at the Aviva Stadium. Irish rugby also with some wound licking to do. Leinster and Ulster bowing out of the URC at the semi-final stages. We have Jerry Thornley and Fiona Hayes on Monday Night Rugby. This hour, Billy Joe Padden to talk all things GA. 53106, the text number. We are at off the ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy is here in studio. Hello. Joseph, how are you? I'm very good. And uh, Richard McCormick, if we're all going with full names. Richard, hello. Good Lord. I feel like I'm in trouble now. What have I done? Richard. How are you? (laughs) What are you doing up there? So, Richie McCormick, McCarthy here in studio. Too familiar. Those Scots. They came, Mick. They got it. They got it good. God, Sent them packing. Just what we needed. Our friendly neighbours in Scotland, as the fans joined together in various pubs around Dublin 4, singing We Hate England More Than You, just shows the connection between the two countries. And what we needed was a team to come over on their summer holidays and just lie down and give us a glorious 3-0 win to just get the Stephen Kenny regime back on track. Did us a big favour. <laughs> they really did. Because like Ireland played well and there's lots of things that we can get into about the ins and outs of our performance and all. But what we like, they really, really didn't show up and everything, everything after that is kind of secondary. Yeah. Even John McGinn did say to Shane Duffy, apparently Richie, look, if you give me a fourth one of these, I'm going to have to score. You need to stop passing the ball to me. It was it was almost like did you, did you ever see one of those World Cup games like you see back in the late seventies like the whole disgrace of Hehan whereby one team kind of lays down and decides to not really put up a fight so the other one can go through that's kind of what Saturday felt like uh, to a degree we should like, stress Scott, it wasn't though I know it wasn't absolutely <laughs> not like we actually we, we did play well and you're kind of you're hard pressed to pick out a bad performance from the Ireland side but there is that other side of it where Scotland were were muck you know and like we're really bad they and were. kind of showed the Scotland that to a degree like I watched that playoff with Ukraine and um, yeah they weren't good in that either really so this wasn't really 100% unexpected from Scotland because they're such a negative defensive side that if you do reach them you can kind of make profit from there uh, but yeah Jesus Ireland were, were, were fantastic and like it, vindication for pretty much all of the changes that Kenny made because the five players that came in I mean three of them scored and the other two didn't one of them had his best game in terms of deliveries from a dead ball especially uh, in God knows how long and the other one was Jason Malumby who looks like he's all of a sudden one of our best midfielder so uh, tally ho certainly a much better energy about the team even out of possession on the ball much better and Mm. more quality and that's very important but even just without the ball more energy uh, personified I suppose by Malumbi and more difficult to play against because my real sense watching the Ukraine game at the Stadium was I can almost 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 live with us miscontrolling passes and not delivering moments of quality when required but just the lack of energy about the performance when Ukraine had the ball was almost unacceptable. And when so Ukraine was, had the ball? Yeah. Right, okay. Was, like, whereas opposed to when, like I turned, so I was at Crow Park on Saturday and I went oh, home to watch the Ireland match knowing the result, having listened to the mm. radio commentary. 
and watched it for, I suppose, work purposes. And while it didn't sound like the grimmest 90 minutes of Irish football <laughs> in the last decade or so. So, but, but straight away, what jumped out, having been at the game in Ukraine, was Ireland without the ball. Yeah. Well, one night dropping into midfield absolutely made for better distancing. But man, like they were actually trying to win it back. Yeah. And and personified by Malumbi, that energy. And like McLean doesn't shirk energy as well. Against Ukraine, it was a case of... No, no, come on. Let, let come them on. have it. We're, 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 as, we're as stodgy as you want here. And it's funny, what stuck out to me was something that changed on Saturday as well, which was, and this is watching on TV, it's a very different experience, as you know, uh, watching the Ukraine game was the lack of urgency in attack to taking four touches when you only needed one all the time, letting a defence completely set up. And they just did it constantly until maybe like five minutes from the end mm. when they started speeding things up a little bit and just taking way too much out of the ball. And that was kind of gone on Saturday as well. Like, don't get me wrong, they did it at times and they slowed the game down probably more appropriately, I would say, at times, especially with a lead on Saturday. But again, just give and go, give and go, a little bit more oomph to it, you know, and Malumbi is a big example of that because it doesn't need to be the best player in the world for that position, especially when we don't have the best players in the world available to us and I don't mean to be always, we always pick on Jeff Hendrick and it's like as if we don't see what Jeff Hendrick does bring to a team that managers do and we know that like any chances that were there against Armenia were due to Jeff Hendrick's vision and everything like that. I'm not saying he doesn't offer anything but what he doesn't offer is that bounce and energy and you know just this sort of like what we need at the moment in midfield and I'm sorry that if that picks on one player but it was very noticeable that he was replaced with a guy who was just this big ball of energy Mm. and obviously Malumbi's tackle led to Obafemi's goal one of the best goals we've ever seen at Lansdowne Road and I don't think that's a coincidence Mm. And my favourite goal, Richie, is the second one, if I'm being honest. Ah, uh, scoop! I love, a, I love a good scoop ball. I and love the run, Troy Parrott's run yeah, is yeah. just uh, so bloody brilliant. It's, I mean, he, he basically creates the whole scenario with that run. Well, that's an alchemy that you don't ordinarily see between forwards, and it kind of plays into something Mick said there, is that with, with the Armenia games and the Ukraine matches, there was a sense that Ireland were taking too much out of the ball in the forward line. And I said it the other night, like, I think there was confusion over the roles that the forwards had to play, because... If you stick Adamita in the middle of them, or like a decent target man for whom, you know, balls can bounce off and then you've got two others you can feed off, that setup is pretty decent. When you have three forwards who are all kind of similar, it doesn't really work. And especially then you start making taking up the same space as the wing backs and you don't have enough manpower in midfield. And those issues were sorted. But there does seem to be something about uh, Abafemi and Paris together that you just can't train and that's the kind of thing that's the kind of spark that you'd hope can kind of keep blazing for a while and for a few games and into tomorrow night especially even if Abafemi's obviously not going to play yeah. uh, we'll get to that in a moment but like that, it's it's that kind of special relationship that seems to already be there that you want to foster within a squad we should start the news round. It is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day you are starting with the latest head of that game in Poland tomorrow yeah, Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny expects to be without Michael Abafemi for tomorrow's Nations League game with Ukraine in Łódź. The Swansea striker was replaced by Scott Hogan 11 minutes into the second half in Saturday's 3-0 win over Scotland after scoring one and setting up another. Abafemi suffering from a groin injury, according to Kenny this evening, who hopes to welcome Chidoz Yogbenya back to the squad. There will be two changes in defence with Shane Duffy suspended and John Egan back with his partner, who's expecting a baby. Ukraine, meanwhile, have been dealing with a bout of illness ahead of the game with manager Alexander Petrov 
Dimitrikov, insisting it's not COVID-related. Midfielder Alexander Zubov, Zubkov is still running a high temperature, but Andriy Yarmolenko and Ruslan Malankovsky are both expected to be fit. Dion Fanning along for the football show after nine. Pat Nevin is going to join us as well. We had our quarterfinal draw for the All-Ireland Football Championship, which is now starting to bubble up nicely. We generally wait most of the summer for this to happen, so here we are. Yeah, and all four All-Ireland Football quarterfinals. Uh, good news for those of you who are in Crow Park at the weekend. Uh, we'll be back at Crow Park on Saturday, June 25th. Clare and the Ulster champions, Derry, will be first up. That is a 3.45 throw-in. It will be followed at 6 by Dublin and Cork. The following day sees Armagh play Galway. That starts at 1.45 and trails the meeting of Kerry and Mayo which is slated to start at four that Sunday afternoon. And speaking on this morning's OTBAM, former Meath skipper Anthony Moyles believes Mayo can cause Kerry problems despite that underwhelming display against Kildare on Saturday. As I said, they've got the personnel. They certainly have the personnel. And what they do and what Kerry don't particularly like to do is they attack from that full back line. So Clifford will find himself a lot of the time running back down the pitch. You know, so he will. And, and it will happen. And if they feel that they need to go, Keegan... Mullen or whoever it is Hessian whoever it is back in there Durkin McLaughlin they will go so they will test you both on, on, on to use the rugby parlance both sides of the ball they will test you on, you know from there from defending and they'll test you and see how, how much you know fortitude you have to go back the other way now Kerry have changed that in the last year or so you can definitely see that they're willing to put, put roll up the, 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 the socks and get back and work no way was the second goal better than the third. Hipster opinions from OTB. I'm a lot of things. I'm a lot of things. I am not a hipster. I couldn't if I tried be a hipster. Don't worry the about it. black that. rimmed glasses, the shirt. I don't know, Joe. It's nah. all there. All the Do pieces you know, are well, placed. he's wearing clothes. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, exactly. The, the, there are the lenses ghost. in these glasses. Like, it, 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 they help me see. But anyway, I'll push on. So, of course, the Obafemi strike was a more thrilling moment. I'm not yeah. saying that, but in terms of, I would argue quality as well. Look, you, you turn, you smack a shot, oh. it goes in, doesn't go in. I get that, okay? But it's not as repeatable as, like the the movement there from Parrot is just so good and the pass from Obafemi is so deliberate and picked out and it's all well-timed and it's a more sustainable model. We can't just give the ball to Michael there every time and say, listen, we hit a thunderbuster from 35 yards. You know what yards. though, just in terms of how good a goal it was though, I complete, that's actually a very fair point about its repeatability right it being this more sustainable model of scoring a goal and it was great that two were arguing about neither of them were crosses into Shane Duffy although that did set up the first goal obviously crucial <laughs> without which the second and third would not have happened it you would argue door. Uh, but I was so this debate came up yesterday and I immediately said First, the first goal is in Parrot's goal, more enjoyable, like just in some ways, just a better goal, right? Crafted, yeah, because the other one was just a thunder bastard for want of a better word, right? So but watching perfectly it, perfectly good word, watching it again, yeah, yeah, it is a perfectly good word. Watching it, just maybe not on radio <laughs> this hour of the evening, uh, watching it again a few times. I like the Obafemi goal more and more because it isn't just a shot. There's a lot Tackles. to it. There's yeah. the tackle. There's Parrot's quick thinking. And then there's Obafemi's even more quick thinking. Think about how quick he takes that one touch, two touch yeah. goal. Yeah. You know? And he knows and where Gordon is in relation to the goal as well. Absolutely. Gordon's miles off his line and he knows that if he's on the line, he probably catches it. If he's where he is, then he's in trouble if the ball swerves. Yeah. So, and it's such a yeah. beautiful shot. Like, I mean, you know, again, you won't do that again, but like, 
let's enjoy it for what it was. It was a beautiful goal. Oh, it's definitely yeah. more thrilling. If you were to measure it in like Yelp decibels. Oh yeah, there was a yeah, Yelp is the exact word. I actually started, <laughs> I, I went into uh, convulsions of laughter after yeah. it actually. No, it'd be I a, couldn't believe it happened. It Ireland don't score did. goals like either of them. Like the thing about it is we don't score many goals, first of all. That's like obviously a given. Yeah. And second of all, we don't score goals of high quality. And it's really difficult. Like when you take away the moment goals, like obviously the, the pair of Houghton goals and maybe Shane Long yeah. against Germany, et cetera, et cetera. Like, where are the goals of that kind of quality mm. that Ireland have scored down through the years? They're really, really few and far between. Like, so many people have been talking about Mark Kennedy's goal against Yugoslavia. That was in another century. <laughs> that was yeah. 1999. That's a long time ago. I think Kevin Doyle got a goal against Slovakia over there in the, the depths of the Stan era. That was as good as that, I would say. It was a brilliant, brilliant goal. But God, there aren't many. No, we more, don't have like. many. Not as good as the two on Saturday, but Wes's goal against Sweden at the Euros was beautiful, beautiful, and yeah. quali- it was Different quality. Type of goal, yeah, of course, if you're using yeah, quality, yeah. then that one for sure. And I guess I mean strikes from trillion strikes from distance were not big on. I mean, I suppose the the late Lee Miller had that strike against Sweden and oh, Stan's yeah. first day, which was yeah. which was eye catching in its own way. Uh, come here on the GA front, then. So we have this double header at Crow Park both days. I was at Croker on Saturday. I mentioned, and I mean it was empty. I mean it was really really sparse. The Seagulls obviously convey, convene on Crow Park when they think it's emptying. They're seriously confused this year. Like, this place, <laughs> it seems to be emptying and it's not emptying. What's going on? Like, we're, messing with, the, the we're, we're messing with the seagull population here. Okay, the well, rhythms. Maybe there's a benefit after all this. They're like waiting for dinner, going, we've been here since two. This place has been emptying since... What's, what, what's going on? When's the peak of this thing? Uh, so it wasn't ideal. More so because of what it's asking fans to do, I suppose, is the issue. Now, the only thing, the only like nagging thing I've had in my head is you take Claire for instance. Of that Claire squad, only seven of those players in their careers, in their careers, have played at Crow Park. Yeah. And so I've no doubt they were eager to play at Crow Park and have a big day in Crow Park. And I appreciate the crowd issue. And the other argument you can make forward is it does make for a better spectacle. It does make for better games, Crow Park, than tight provincial grounds, I think. It's a faster turf. There's more space. Defences are less likely to be on top. Mm. And like Kildare put 15 men. We'll talk about this with Billy Joe. Like Kildare, talk about schizophrenic from the Leinster final to their whole philosophy turning on a on you know the space of 70 minutes. They were 15 men behind the ball. Like Daniel Flynn wasn't even left up. Everyone behind the ball. Think at a tighter provincial ground. That even deadens the spectacle more. So... I'm in two minds. I, I I think ultimately I'd side on the fact that you do want memorable occasions and a sense of atmosphere. But like I, I do see some of the arguments for Crow Park, and I do I do look at that Clare team where a whole bunch of them played their first ever day in Crow Park in their career, and they won. They earned their the All Crow Ireland quarter final okay. against Derry in Crow Park in yeah. two weeks, if you ask me, and you know. Like in some ways, Crow Park isn't the holy grail for so many teams either. Like Clare have almost been punished by the fact that they haven't been yo-yoing in the league. Yeah. Because you know these teams do get their day out for Division Three finals and so on, and Clare have been in Division Two and mid-table for so long, which is an incredible achievement in itself. Like it's not un- most teams play a little bit more in Crow Park, I would say. But look, I do see that point. I still think though that that winner. That Jamie Malone winner, or was yeah. it Keen Sexton? Sorry, I've, which, one of the two who yeah, were amazing, yeah. both of them on the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, hit a winner into a Hill 16 that had a load of ads and no people. You know, and I think there's something just no, so crushing about that. And that's only one part of it. As you mentioned, and we're kind of glossing over it because we feel like we've talked about it so much. The issue is people from Mayo, from 
you know, maybe less so from Kildare, it's not as big an issue. But people from Mayo, Roscommon and Clare, for games of that size, shouldn't have had to travel all the way to Dublin no, that, on that was, uh, Saturday. I agree totally. That's wrong. And everybody's and talking they didn't. about the, the, the cost of living. And no. I mean, there does have to be some part of the GA hierarchy that do look at that completely empty stadium. And I mean, it was empty. Like yeah. it was, it was really. We haven't. Awful. I don't. Did we get? Did, did the Tannoy announce an official attendance no. at any point? No, no they I was didn't. There. And there was some comment on like what you know, uh, people having to do a bit of sleuthing to try and find out yeah. the official attendance. That's not a good sign. But also, that's I it, look and I, I hold my hands up that if there's an official attendance announced somewhere and it was done as openly as they always do, then fine, and yeah. I apologise. But if not, if they're trying to hide that, mm. where, what's that saying to you? Like, well, yeah. what is the point of that? Who are they representing that they're trying to hide the attendance of their games? It would be worth... PR reasons. It would be worth, actually, the GA sitting down and just as a... Let's take that weekend as, as a snapshot of where we are. And I think there were very few at Porky Cueve even for that Cork Limerick yeah. game. Like, it was paltry. Yeah. But imagine somebody sat down and said, OK, here we are. We're the GA board. I don't know quite how it works exactly. So we had this game. It's 2022. We had this game where we dragged three counties from the other side of the country and asked them to come up to Crow Park. Given the cost of living and the cost of diesel and the cost of hotels in Dublin, most people can't afford that right now. Our members can't afford that right now. And what's more, the game was not available free to air. It was on a pay-per-view channel. Are we all thinking we're, this is good? Are we in a good spot here? And yeah. I'd love to hear that conversation. It's not great. No, no, it's, it's, it, and that's it. And, snapshot. And here's the thing, and this isn't, this isn't a comment on the GEA. This is a comment on basically all people in a position of power is the wrong word but an organisation almost you know in that you don't see these arguments on their merits you see that as oh we're being criticised from all sides if we didn't play people in Crow Park people would say it's a white elephant people would say this that people Mm -hmm. you know and that's what you see and you you become very uh, you know you become very tunnel visioned on we're doing the right thing. We know what's going on and everybody else is criticising us but actually the, the, the 99% of people you don't hear from are actually on our side. And I'm convinced that that would be the conversation. Yeah, you know, but I would love that to be an open conversation because again, it's like nobody wants to be criticising anybody. That's not the point. The point here is to try and get it right and treat the GA as this community organisation that we like to think it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, look. I, on the other side of it, I absolutely think that the All-Ireland Football quarterfinals that many have been arguing, oh, put it put like Claire and uh, Derry, that should be on in Dr. Hyde Park. And I would have, absolutely, I don't care how many people come to this game, That that's the reward you get. Is that's yeah, when yeah, you play yeah. in Crow Park. I think that's yeah. fair. I think that's fair. Um, sorry, Richie, we're rabbiting here. Talchin Cup. Yeah, they wanted to make this special. They wanted to make it its own uh, unique identity. But the Talton Cup final will serve as the curtain raiser to the first of this year's All-Ireland Football semi-finals. That will be on Saturday, July the 9th. You say you, you deliver that, I would say, in, in uh, withering tone. A uh, little bit, little bit. It kind of goes against. It's a bit throwaway for something that they wanted to ensure would be its own competition and they'd be able to sell this to the quote-unquote lesser counties and and to the masses as well and to have people trickling in for an All-Ireland semi-final and go, oh, what's that? It's also the Talsley Cup. Nobody cares. Nobody are they, are they care. worried about turnout do we think Rich is that the logic well based on yesterday they're not <laughs> are they worried about turnout I, well Jesus would be a fine turnabout if they were suddenly worried about turnout um, I don't know I, do, I don't know what they're thinking is I'm just I, trying to fill it in the calendar I think there's an argument of, of trying to have as big a crowd as you can at it and like I mean that, and it's the reward is you play on a big day in Crow Park that's the that's certainly been always the idea with the John jo McDonough Cup was played before the Leinster final there wasn't a great crowd at that either but you know the idea would be that you know 30 or 40,000 people are there watching it where it would be less otherwise 
I don't really have a major problem with that. I do think that this this constant <laughs> constant stream of double headers, you know, I don't know if the if the hurling quarterfinal did sell out, but I, I was kind of half looking at tickets and you know there was none available after a few minutes. Whether that was a ticket master, I never went back and checked. But you know, no need for you know both of those games to be on in Thurles uh, at the same time on the same day. Other than again, TV, all of these things, double headers don't serve fans at all. Oh, they're a pain. And I'm so sick of talking about it. And I feel like ever since I did hear first on the show, they've been just nonstop everything. The answer to this is a double header. That 45 minute wait between yeah. matches is just interminable. Yeah. So uh, we had Live Golf doing its thing, and then the PGA Tour struck back in dramatic fashion last night with its marquee name, Richie. Yeah, Rory McIlroy claiming his first tournament victory in little under a year, taking his PJ Tour total of 21 victories last night. A final round of 62, saw him win the Canadian Open by two strokes, ending the weekend on 19 under par. Tony Finnau was second on 17 under. Shane Larry shot a final round of 66 to secure a top 10 finish in Toronto. But McIlroy said his victory was all the sweeter given the unfolding events from Live Golf across the Atlantic. Yeah, I wanted it. I wanted it a lot. I wanted it at the start of the day. Um, and there was a few different incentives in there. I, um, you know, I've I've been up against JT quite a bit in the past, and you know he's he's gotten the better of me a couple of times. So I, I knew I had to play really good to, um, you know, to beat him. Tony as well. Tony played incredible golf today too. Um, so that was a big part of it. I think you know, going up against the best and beating the best is you know always makes it extra special. Um, and then I, I look. I alluded to the, you know I had extra motivation you know of what's going on across the across the pond. Um, the guy that's spearheading that tour has 20 wins in the PGA Tour, and I was tied with him, and I wanted to get one ahead of him, and I did. Um, so that was really cool for me. Just a, a little you know sense of pride on that one. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't like that as much as I did like his little dig in the immediate when he won the tournament he was interviewed immediately on the green we had a load of like Irish people singing ole ole in the background no Canada how many Irish people in Canada it's insane (laughs) so they all decided to go out and see Rory it was brilliant and then Rory had this little dig where he didn't quite allude to what he was talking about Mm. but that people knew that he meant 21 won more than so and so that was better I thought that was a little bit too kind of like god this is really on his mind that he really hates Greg Norman I don't really think it's enough to be like and I had the last laugh I know I don't <laughs> Craig Norman oh another guy passed me on the roll of honour even more reason to be bitter and twisted yeah uh, Roy played well though he was great yeah god I mean uh, there was about there was a 25 30 minute period in the in there where I was thinking uh oh mm. where I've never seen him hit shots so bad oh, it was a drive that he hit 150 yards at one point he hooked two drivers and there was another double cross in there yeah wobbled and then but in fairness to him as soon as Thomas levelled with him it yeah. was Thomas that blew it in the end like you know so 18, yeah. Rory's uh, 18th was abs- and 17 and 18 like what a way to win a tournament Like, and it was brilliant because I actually I can't remember the last time I watched the, a Sunday night of a random PGA Tour event now I know it's the week before the US Open and there's yeah. a little bit of a build up to it but still I was brought in because Rory was in contention and it was like great that was like 2-3 hours last night That's where cool. I was watching golf where I wouldn't normally been I was like what a week for it to happen yeah he was really good his wedge play was so improved that's the headline news in some respects he missed uh, two or three short little puts as is his one but other than that he put it very well I think he was seventh in putting which for him 62 is, on a Sunday as well no matter how easy the course is yeah seventh for him in putting is enough for him to win a competition if he's playing anyway well yeah. but the, the wedges were so good and there was a moment where he was stepping into the sky booth to be interviewed by Nick Doherty 
and he had overheard that they were complimenting his wedge play and as uh, Radar was handing him the mic to step in and be interviewed by Darty, Rory said yeah apparently I'm a bad wedge player so he's, he's very aware of the conversation around him and it was much improved so US Open very interesting I think Phil Mickelson's about to do his press conference in front of the US media right now and he's done it I think Joe. oh has yeah. he like a big yeah. a 9-11 families group wrote a, a really strongly worded letter over the weekend which may you know crystallise things more so for an American audience than sports washing and human rights in a country far far away but like Saudi Arabia yeah. 9-11 and this group Directly coming out yeah. saying Phil Dustin Johnson were ashamed of you that could have led to a, an interesting press conference I don't know did you see any of it I didn't see it. I'm just trying to parse through the quotes here. He's like, I, still not giving up hope of competing on the PGA Tour, that kind of stuff. I don't think the uh, the 9-11 stuff um, was put to him, um, just okay. judging from the quotes that I'm seeing here. But like, yeah, you'll have to forgive me for just... No, no, you're fine. In front of me. But um, yeah, like, I, it, it's more a case of he wants to build bridges uh, rather than um, being left That's out right. on his own and being a, you know anti-American or whatever. Mick is uh, telling me here we'll play some of that after 8.40 in rugby we'll play some of what Mickelson saying at uh, Brookline US Open uh, fellas we're out of time Richard thank you Joseph you're welcome Michael thank you Richard Joseph